You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is season 10, episode 15, the season finale. Okay, beautiful friends, we have made it to the end of the year and also to the end of this season on the podcast. And what an incredible season it has been. Our theme of restoration for the heart of the artist has been incredibly helpful for me personally. And I know from your emails and comments that it's been helpful for many of you as well. As we close out our discussions on this theme of restoration, I want to encourage you to go back and listen through any of the previous episodes you may have missed. Seriously, each guest on this season of the podcast offered such valuable insights and perspectives on the restorative journey for artists and creatives. I'm finding myself going back through each episode and learning things I missed on the first listen. Also a reminder to our patrons, you can explore our library of unpublished and exclusive episodes at patreon.com makersandmystics. As I was collecting the interviews for this season, I found myself with more content than I could publish on a weekly basis. And so I've cataloged several additional interviews and roundtables on our Patreon, which aren't included on the RSS feed. But for today's episode, I wanna begin by revisiting the three threads of restoration that we focused on for this season. And then I want to share a few thoughts on an idea I keep thinking of, which I've called restoring the future. When we think about restoration, we often think about restoring the past. But as you'll see in just a little bit, restoration encompasses the future as well as the past and the present. Thank you so much for listening. This is Restoring the Future, Season 10 Finale. Our first thread on restoration is the artist as wounded healers. This phrase, wounded healers, originated with the Swiss psychologist Carl Jung. Jung derived his idea of wounded healers from the Greek myth about a centaur named Chiron, who was known for having wisdom in regard to medicine and had the power to heal others. However, the paradox of the story is that Chiron himself suffered from a wound that never healed. And surprisingly, it was his wound which gave him the power to heal. Jung said, the pains and burdens one bears and eventually overcomes is the source of great wisdom and healing power for others. Drawing from Jung's archetype, our beloved author Henry Nouwen wrote a book titled The Wounded Healer. In it, he tells how making one's own wounds a source of healing calls for a constant willingness to see one's own pain and suffering as rising from the depth of the human condition which we all share. In other words, through proper care, our own suffering and our own woundedness can become a source of creativity, compassion, and healing for others. Nowen tells how a wounded healer is able to make visible what was hidden, make touchable what was unreachable, 
and bring others out of confusion to clarification by articulating God's work in their own life. This person, whom for our context we will call the artist, can guide with compassion and through honest contemplation transform destructive tendencies into creative work for a new world to come. So think with me for a moment about your own life, your own woundedness, your own pain, and your own places of unresolve. And consider how you might transform your own suffering into a source of life and art and healing to the benefit of others. It's my conviction that with proper care, spiritual discipline, and a vital connectivity to the source of life, our creator, the artist of faith can become a wounded healer. Rather than drowning in the pain of our own past or spewing our pathologies onto others, we can transform or rather be transformed into a source of healing through our art and our lives. In just a little bit, I'll give you several specific suggestions on how I've pursued this in my own life that may help you in yours. The second thread of restoration is what I've called existing in the splice. And this is a phrase that I read in Ilya Dilio's book, Reenchanting the Earth. She wrote, God is that which is forming in the in-between, in the splice, so to speak. This phrase caught me because I have long been fascinated with polarities, finding the good in the opposite ends of the spectrum and thinking through what it is that exists in the space between. Often, I've found that it is the artist who inhabits this space between polarities, refusing to be tagged and owned, refusing to be a tool for the party line, standing as an observer on the fringe, and yet somehow simultaneously alive and finding themselves in the epicenter. And to be clear, this existing in the space between is no indication of a lack of conviction, groundedness, or of intention. I'm reminded of the biblical passage where Joshua asks the angel, are you for us or for them? And the angel replied, neither. According to Delio, whom I am admittedly recontextualizing here, she tells us that it is God who fills the space between, drawing all things unto himself and holding all things together. So this space between things is where the artist can encounter the divine and becomes a vital part of the restoration process. The surrendered artist who inhabits this liminal space between polarities can become a bridge builder for our fractured culture and work as a creative agent of reconciliation between opposing views. So let me ask you, do you find yourself existing in this liminal space between? And if so, how can you utilize this perspective as a means of bridge building? I want to invite you in the upcoming days to explore how you can be a bridge builder through your creative work and how you can become an agent of reconciliation. And now turning to our third thread for season 10 is the concept of restoring. And this will lead us into my main topic for today on restoring the future. 
But you may have heard this word restoring used in different circles of psychology or sociology. But basically, restoring is the process of finding new meanings within old narratives. What are the stories we have told ourselves, others? What are the stories we have adopted and adapted and thereby shaped our lives and our creative work around? Are these narratives truthful, derived, inherited? Are they seen through the lens of our filters, our past hurts? We may not always be able to see this on our own. And so I'm thankful for my wife, for my friends, therapists and counselors and pastors who can help us see the narratives of our lives in the light of the meta-narrative of the gospel. This process of restoring the narratives we believe gets at the heart of the creative process because storytelling itself is a creative act. Our histories heal into the art of our storytelling. So what are the narratives we have believed and what are the flowers of those narratives? Are they helpful or hurtful? How do they shape and form us? How do they shape and form our art, those we love? What is the narrative we will believe from here as we move forward into the new year? Much of the battle we face inside of ourselves surrounds our perception of reality. So much of the fight is won or lost on this ground of our perception. And our perception is influenced by the stories we tell ourselves and the myriad of voices chattering inside our heads. Most of them, according to statistics, are negative. And most of those narratives run like a loop playing in our subconscious. The gift of the artist, then, is the ability to make visible that which is invisible, to make conscious that which is unconscious, and to shape these inner dialogues into tangible forms that help us determine, is this truth? The discipline required of the artist, then, is the discipline to cultivate our thoughts and perceptions to curate our desires and shape the events of our lives into truthful narratives that leave room to be lived out in a framework of hope. And it's true that we cannot change the things that have happened to us. We cannot change the things we have done, but we can alter the way we understand them. We can conclude that our stories are not just what we've done or what happens to us, but our stories are how we respond and what we do with these events. In other words, our past interacts with our present and gives shape to our future, all according to the stories we embody. Our stories are always changing, always evolving, always becoming. We are always being made new. The process of restoring invites wholeness to our past, present, and future work as artists. Our stories are how we make sense of our lives, our creative work, and the world around us. Our stories construct our identities and reconcile who we imagine ourselves to be with how we contribute to the world around us. I've said before that we all become words. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus is the word become flesh. The Apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Ephesians that we are the poems of God. 
So if God is the word and we are his poems, what is the story he desires to tell through our lives? And does the story we tell align with his? So I want to encourage you to consider what areas of your life story may need to be reimagined according to the eternal truth of you as the beloved. I want to invite you to curate your taste for the inner narratives which agree with love, forgiveness, redemption, purpose, second chances, creativity, and hope. Now, when we think about restoration in any capacity, we typically refer to restoring something that once was, but no longer is. We mean bringing something back to its original condition that was either altered or strayed from the intended design. But as I mentioned, lately I've been mulling over the phrase, restoring the future. And it's got me thinking that restoration doesn't necessarily mean going back to something that once was. Restoration can be the recovery of something that never was, but was originally intended to be. Restoration can be recovering an original passion or vitality, though not the particular form or pursuit through which that passion was expressed. Sometimes restoration can be a moving forward in the same spirit, but for a totally new endeavor. This too is restoration, to give something or someone new purpose. It may still be of the old root system, but it bears new fruit. It may be a stump that pops open a new shoot. It isn't the old tree returning, but a new shoot piercing through the old stump. In my conversation with English poet Malcolm Geit in episode six of season 10, I brought up the word original, which can mean both a reference to the past as in an original member of the cast, or it can mean novelty, something unique and new, not experienced before. This dual yet unified meaning embodied in the word original seems to be a good example of what I mean by restoring the future. When we think about restoring the future, this can be not only a recovery of the past, but a breaking free from the past in order to change or alter a new expression of what is to come. In other words, we can shape the outcomes of our future to be more aligned with the original divine design for our lives by putting to rest the negative past that still controls our present. We can recognize that the past is controlling our present when circumstances or people who are no longer active participants in our lives still hold sway over how we respond to current situations. We respond to the present by projecting a past behavior. We are triggered by something that feels familiar and we instinctually go to our learned responses. The outcome is that the past has controlled the present and sets the stage for the future. But to restore the future means we are no longer responding in the present according to a past circumstance. This process requires us to recognize, to own, and to lay down our weapons. 
It requires that we live knowing that the old wars are over. The methods of survival that once served to help get us through a difficult situation are no longer needed. There is a new way of life available for us. You've heard the stories about prisoners of war who stayed in their cells because they couldn't believe the war was over. We can tend to live that same way ourselves sometimes, but I'm learning the prison doors are open and I'm getting up to walk out. Another thought that comes to mind as I'm meditating on this idea of restoring the future is this. You have permission to dream small. (laughs) Yeah, you heard me right. You have permission to dream small. Our culture here in America has taught us that bigger is better and that having more means having more value and security. This mindset can be rooted in fear of lack and it's agitated by a not so subtle spirit of consumerism. It preys upon our conscience for profit. But I like to think perhaps the next big thing is small like a king lying in an animal's feeding trough or a tiny mustard seed beneath the soil. Or as songwriter Gil Scott Heron said, the revolution will not be televised. Over the past few years, many of us lost our ability to dream. We witnessed dreams die and life required us to find new ways to get by. For some of us, this led to adopting a nihilistic worldview Everything seemed futile, a waste of energy and resources. It seemed impossible to obtain due to uncontrollable and oppressive circumstances. Meaningful pursuits lost their sense of purpose and interruption was deemed inevitable. But a mindset of futility creates serious mental health concerns in the long term because a healthy, necessary part of our human function is the capacity to imagine our future and take steps to walk toward its realization. Now, of course, unforeseen challenges have always been part of the ride, but to have the whole world collapse around us is a bit traumatic. So then what do I mean you have permission to dream small? I mean that as we journey together toward restoring the future, we may not be able to immediately dive headlong into another grand plan of ruling the world, but we can plant tiny little mustard seeds in our daily lives. The simple act of taking a tiny seed of possibility and planting it in the local earth says to the world, I am alive, I am not defeated, I will keep going, I will keep believing, I will keep contributing, and I will keep creating. We can return to the beauty of small things and find wonder hidden in the everyday. We can learn to see the miracle in the ordinary and witness entire universes of meaning hidden within the smallest of encounters. We can dream small. And as I've journeyed through my own path of restoration over this past season, and as I've taken in the wisdom from those whom I've interviewed here on the podcast, I've collected several pointers I want to share with you today. Now, at the time of this recording, we're shedding the skin of 2022 and preparing to begin a new year. And this is always a time of reflection and projection, 
So in thinking about restoring the future, perhaps these insights can help us go forward with a new, less nihilistic perspective on life. So let's start here. Forgiveness. Both forgiving those who have harmed us and being forgiven for the harm that we have done. No one is without need for both. And restoration only happens through the doorway of forgiveness. Now, it's probably important to add the disclaimer that forgiveness and restoration does not mean a return to dysfunctional or harmful relationships or circumstances. Forgiveness is about restoring our own heart's freedom. Acceptance. There are things that have happened in our lives which we cannot change, but the cracks are where the light comes in and we can mend our fault lines with gold. The lines of our years can become an atlas pointing to a new world. We can heal into art. Acceptance is not the same as resignation, nor is it an endorsement of the painful experiences. Acceptance is no longer needing to hold the tight grip on that which we could not change or stop from happening. Acceptance is a spiritual liberation. When we make peace through acceptance, we are enabled to feel what we feel without the compulsion to fix it. We can then experience restoration. Humility. Taking ownership for our faults doesn't always come natural to human beings. We learned as children that admission meant unwanted consequences. So we learned to hide, to blame, to lie. But finding the strength to admit when we are wrong or have done wrong is one of the surest ways to mend what is broken. Gratitude. Gratitude disarms the spirit of poverty. Gratitude for what we have helps us stay present and not get lost in anxiety over what we do not have. Community, being known, not walking alone. This one may be harder for some than others and may require a bit of creativity. Between the limitations of the pandemic and the experience of toxic controlling community structures, a lot of harm has been done in the name of community. Even so, our need for community remains a vital part of living a whole life. So let's figure this one out together. Character. Understanding personal character as an art form to be cultivated and not a byproduct of believing the right things is essential. I believed all the right things and still did all the wrong actions. This is something I've had to learn by facing my own shadows. No one is exempt from the temptation to give in to our own self-serving, ego-driven, carnal nature. This is where the spiritual life is vital. This is where structure, discipline, guidance, and community are essential for growth and change. Learning to see that even as the work of my hands is an art form, the architecture of my heart and relationships are also an art form to be treated with skill, intention, and care has been immensely helpful for me. Commitment. For the longest time, this word scared my hippie little free-spirited self. 
because commitment meant sacrificing some other possible unknown and unrealized good. And so I lived ungrounded and unfulfilled, controlled by what didn't exist, all the while missing what did exist. Commitment is understanding that we, like plants and trees, need roots to sustain us through all weather. Consistency and showing up. Whether we are creating art or building relationships, our daily rhythms and habits form the lives we lead. Reinvention. As I said at the beginning of this episode, Restoration doesn't necessarily mean returning to a previous form. It can be the restoration of an original vitality applied to an entirely new set of circumstances. When we embrace the truth that throughout the course of our lives, we will experience many different versions of ourselves, this will enable us to hold loosely the things which have defined us in seasons past. The essence of who we are is eternal and unchanging, but the ways in which our true person is expressed is not dependent on any outward situation. Every age and every chapter of our lives, even the darkest ones, offer a unique gift to be treasured. And lastly, the art of listening. I don't think much commentary is needed for this one. If you've made it this far into the episode, you're already cultivating the art of listening. So thank you for the gift of your time and attention. But I think we can all agree that even as a culture, we haven't been the best at listening. When we learn the art of being slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen, we position ourselves to grow, to learn about ourselves and others. And of course, not everyone will reciprocate, which makes this art all the more difficult to master. But we can take the first step, and hopefully some will again see the value of dialogue and civil disagreement. In this way, the art of listening certainly contributes to restoration. So those are just a few of my thoughts and things which I am either working on in my life or things which have helped me over the past year. And so as we go forward into this new year, I want to say to you that no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, how unsure you may be, no matter what failures or mistakes you have experienced, no matter what successes you have seen, it's no trite platitude to tell you that the best is still yet to come. Can you believe that with me? You know, life rarely ever turns out the way we imagine it but that doesn't have to keep us from dreaming. And often it is only in hindsight when we recognize that different as it may have looked, our dreams and creative visions and the deep-rooted sense of calling we have finds a way to burst through the concrete and bloom in the most unlikely places. A shoot bursts open from the stump. We may not have control over the events that happen in our lives, but we do determine our responses. And our stories are not only comprised of the happenings we experience, but our stories are comprised of our responses. And so our futures are born of the way we heal our past into art. So I encourage you 
over the next few weeks, give some time to be intentional. Seek help where you need it. Don't go it alone and know that you've got a crew behind you. I believe in you. I believe in the work you're doing. And I believe the best is still to come. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'm going to take a few weeks off from the podcast and get my thoughts together for the new year. If you're part of our creative collective, I'll be seeing you on Wednesday nights in January for our Victor Frankel Say Yes to Life book club. And otherwise, be sure to follow us on Instagram for updates on the podcast and for inspiration. And I hope to connect with you again in this new year. In the meantime, I really mean it when I say that the work you're doing is important. So don't give up, keep going, and just know that you're not alone. And as always, my friend, keep creating. The world needs your art. This episode concludes season 10 of the Makers and Mystics podcast. Be sure to look out for bonus episodes and artist profiles as we prepare for season 11 in 2023.